Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day as we wrap up another week. And another week with a lot of rain and looking ahead to another week with looks like a lot of rain for many areas. We'll be talking about the markets with Steve Nicholson with Bravo AgriFinance. Get his thoughts on how the markets are reacting to this. We're going to talk with an agronomist from the University of Illinois about some of the challenges with all this uh, wet weather and cool weather on corn and soybeans. Uh, those planted and those not yet. We'll be talking about that and, and uh, what it could mean for yield later this year. So we'll be getting into some of the agronomic challenges of the time. Um there's a new poll out showing the impact of the rural economy on farmer mental health. This was a uh, poll sponsored by the American Farm Bureau Federation in recognition of May as Mental Health Month. And we will be talking with the Director of Strategic Communications for the American Farm Bureau Federation, Ray Atkinson, about that poll here uh, on a day when there's a lot of good economic news for the nation when it comes to unemployment and things like that. Uh, we are reminded again that the farm economy is not doing so well, and especially you add on to it now the uh, the weather challenges, and there's a lot of uh, a lot of pressure and a lot of uh, stress on uh, the farming community uh, right now. And we're going to talk about those issues and uh, the help that is available and the need, uh, you know, the challenge because some people it's just not something we. Uh, often care to you know admit to or want to uh, let people know about that the, there there's a need there and, and someone is struggling and uh, we want to talk about some of those challenges as well that's coming up later in today's program but we're going to start it off with the results from this year's wheat quality council's uh, wheat tour joining us now is justin gilpin he's the ceo of kansas wheat growers justin thanks for joining us uh sounds like you found uh, some um, Better wheat this year than you've seen in some years past. Well, certainly better than last year, Mike. That uh, uh, there's crop conditions throughout the state, just like uh, the, up in the northern part of the U.S. There are there is some variability, but overall numbers came in fairly good for the Wheat Quality Council's harder uh, winter wheat tour this year. Uh, for Kansas, the estimates came in uh, total production of 306 million uh, bushel production. Uh, with an average yield of around 47.2 bushels per acre. So some optimism there, but this crop has not been without its challenges, too. Well, it, there certainly are some challenges, and I think the crop scouts uh, that went out throughout the, this past week, uh, there's about 75 participants on the wheat quality tour this year that spread out uh, for three days, making uh, 469 stops across the state. A lot of the themes from this year's tour were that, uh, uh, you know, crop conditions year on year were better, so there was some expectations to see the crop in a little bit better shape and better health than, than we saw last year, uh, and that, that seemed to be pretty consistent. Uh, the other consistent theme was that this crop is a little bit behind in maturity. That's just a result of uh, the cooler weather that we've had, and uh, it's uh, we're probably a week to a week and a half behind, and and knowing that harvest uh, harvest is still right around the corner, so uh, we've, we've got a wheat crop that's got to do about 10 weeks' worth of work to, to be done here in about six or seven weeks, so it'll be interesting. Yeah, so you're still, when you're out there measuring and looking at, a, at the crop here on this wheat tour, you're, you're, you're still talking about potential. You're not there yet, as you said, that the crop has some catching up to do. Well, that, yep, it is at, a, at this point in time, and it, uh, it's... You know, harvest is still uh, a month and a half away. Uh, you know, we with the crop being behind in maturity, the the only headed out wheat that uh, that we really saw was uh, in the south central part of the state as we got close to the Oklahoma border. Uh, probably one of the good news uh, with this crop, uh, you know, we expected to see uh, some disease pressure. Uh, the incidence of stripe rust and leaf rust as reported from the wheat tour, was really pretty low. Uh, there are a lot of extension path pathologists that are warning that uh, with the, the cool, wet weather, it is the type of environment that those uh, those rusts will 
will thrive. So producers are going to be vigilant and, and scouting their own fields here in the next week or so and making those decisions about applying fungicides. And, and uh, certainly as uh, rust progresses from the south, it will affect, uh, as we hear reports starting in Texas, that that gets Kansas producers to, on, on point to watch that. As, and uh, if that happens in the winter wheat crop, then the spring wheat crop will uh, have to be watching that also as we get into the later months of the summer. Yeah, still those potential challenges to watch for. We're talking with Justin Gilpin, CEO of Kansas Wheat Growers, uh, talking about the just-completed uh, Wheat Quality Council's Hard Red Winter Wheat Tour. Uh, Justin, kind of break it down around the state of Kansas, uh, what you saw in various parts uh, uh, and the differences in one part of the state to another. What was uh, the tour starts off in Manhattan, Kansas, uh, the eastern part of the state. Day one, we travel from uh, uh, Manhattan to Colby, Kansas, which is in the northwest part of the state. Uh, that day one, uh, it saw uh, a lot of what we're talking about with the later planted wheat having uh, having its set of challenges. One of the things that happened in the fall uh, of that central part of the state, north central part, that day one uh, tour stops uh, were in fields of uh, soybean harvest that got delayed uh, last fall. Uh, That is an area that is typically uh, more of a double crop uh, wheat that gets in behind soybeans. And with that soybean harvest and corn harvest being so delayed, you saw a lot of wheat acres that didn't get planted. Uh, and the wheat acres that did get planted were planted late. So you have a lot of wheat that uh, uh, didn't get tillered out, uh, is, is behind in maturity, and doesn't have uh, the, the, uh, the, uh, the good root structure. And so that, that wheat's really going to need a lot of things to go right for it to, to finish out. Then as we got farther into the, to the northwest corner of the state, uh, we got into wheat that uh, had, had really gotten planted uh, in September, and before the lot of those fall rains and fall moisture, and you could really tell that that wheat was was healthy. It was rooted down, and, and it looked in, in good condition. And, and uh, that uh, that that was a, the tail of the two crops, the ones that were early planted versus late planted. Same story for as we move through the, the western and over to the south central part of the state. Uh, that earlier planted wheat certainly lo- is looking better, uh, and then the south central part of the state. Probably one of the challenges that we saw with that crop is a lot of nitrogen and sulfur deficiency, as we saw a lot of yellowing in the crop. And that's a result of the, all of the excessive moisture that we've had in the fall and over winter. We've had some, uh, uh, some uh, nitrogen depletion uh, due, to, due to that moisture and, then, and also uh, some economic decisions where some farmers, uh, it was clearly that they, they hadn't uh, made the commitment or investment into this crop just because of the low commodity prices. And uh, that's the story we saw in South Central Kansas and in the Oklahoma. All right, Justin, uh, thanks for the report. And uh, hopefully the weather co- will cooperate the rest of the way uh, for this wheat crop. Thanks a lot for the report. Thank you, Mike. Thanks for what you do for agriculture. Thank you. Justin Gilpin, CEO of the Kansas Wheat Growers, with a report on the uh, Wheat Quality Council's Hard Red Winter Wheat Tour. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. Throughout soybean farming regions, growers are going all in on Ingenia herbicide from BASF. They know it's the most flexible and advanced solution of its kind for tough weed control, especially resistant weeds. Now BASF is going all in on Ingenia growers. We're so confident in the performance of this solution, we're now backing it with the Ingenia herbicide weed control guarantee. And this year, you can tap into our expanded season-long Grow Smart Rewards program. Get cash back for making the best agronomic game plan with Ingenia Herbicide and BASF's leading portfolio of soybean solutions. Want stronger performance and profits together with peace of mind? Go to IngeniaHerbicide.com to learn more. Grow Smart with BASF. Always read and follow label directions. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. Your local FS is member-owned, and that means when you buy our flagship brands like FS Envision and FS High Soy, 
You're actually buying seed from yourself. And you wouldn't sell yourself anything but the best, would you? In field after field, FS brands are out yielding the competition. Talk to your local FS crop specialist about Envision corn or high soy soybean seed today. At harvest, you'll be glad you did. Envision and high soy are available exclusively at your local FS member company. Everyone responds differently to change. Some are frightened by it. Some try to ignore it. And some are inspired by it. Poet has always shared a true connection with farmers. And like farmers, we see the world differently. We're inspired by change. So when it comes to the challenge of climate change, we see opportunity to make the air cleaner, to make our country safer, to leave the planet we've been given just a little better. Biofuels and oil alternatives, solutions for a brighter, more sustainable world. Get inspired with us. Visit Poet.com. Recently on Adams on Agriculture, clean water issues in this country. Let's talk about it with Don Parrish, Senior Director, Regulatory Relations for the American Farm Bureau Federation on the clean water rule. What's the next step? This rule, which we believe is more balanced, we believe that it is also legally defensible. We also believe it's going to go to the Supreme Court. So there's going to be a lot of uncertainty. But I hope the uncertainty is now moving back near the center where we can live and operate our farms in ways that we're not in, in danger of, of running afoul of the law. It is going to take a while. You can expect EPA to spend a lot of quality time between now and the end of this year uh, preparing to finalize a rule that they can support. They've got to flesh out not only the, the decisions they make, but why and the rationale why they made those decisions. I think that is critically important, and that's critically important in, in making sure that it is legally defensible. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. All right, crew, let's get her dug. Honey, you want to give me a hand? I'm planting that tree, remember? No matter how large or small your digging project may be, no matter how urban or rural, you must always call 811 before any digging project. 811 is our national one-call number, alerting your local utility companies to come out and mark any lines they have near your dig site. You must call 811 at least two to three business days before any digging project so you can avoid hitting our essential buried utilities. This includes natural gas and petroleum pipelines, electric, communication cables, and water and sewer lines. So before you do this or this, make sure you do this. For digging projects big or small, make the call to 811. Brought to you by Common Ground Alliance. Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. So there's a lot of good economic news for the country today overall, but we know the rural economy, the ag economy, is not doing as well. And a recent poll shows that a strong majority of farmers and farm workers say financial issues, farm or business problems, and fear of losing the farm impacts farmers' mental health. That's according to a a new poll that is sponsored by the American Farm Bureau Federation. May is mental health. We're talking now with Ray Atkinson. American Farm Bureau Federation Director of Strategic Communications. Ray, thank you for joining us. Tell us more about this poll that uh, Farm Bureau sponsored. Well, yes, Mike, as as you mentioned, we're all aware of the challenging farm economy right now. We know it's having an impact um, on farmers and ranchers, and so we wanted to get some some more uh, information data about what's really affecting them and the, the things that are uh, causing stress, the obstacles to seeking help and those types of things, the role of stigma in, in all of these uh, in these issues. So uh, we, we part- had Morning Consult conduct a research poll for us, uh, 2,000 um, rural adults across the country. And as you mentioned, financial issues are really on top, the top three things, financial issues, um, farm business problems and fear of losing the farm are the top three things that we're hearing that are really uh, impacting farmers. Also interesting, a, a strong majority of rural adults, 91%, said mental health is important to them and or their family, while 82% of farmers, farm workers said the same, 
and also found that a majority of rural adults have either personally sought care or have a family member who has sought care for a mental health condition. Uh, that's people will um, recognize that they need care and whether they would then actually follow up and seek that care. Absolutely, and, and I would say that that's um, an encouraging uh, statistic there because it says to us, and, and frankly a little surprising, I think, that that many people said that mental health is important to them and or their family, and it was just about as high with farmers. That's a good thing that people recognize the importance of, of mental health and that, you know, the the, the um, percentage of people who have sought care have a family member in care. I mean, it's a good thing. And, and we also saw in this, uh, in the, as we looked at, at stigma, which I think, you know, prevents a lot of people from, from seeking care, um, that we one, one interesting point that came out of this is that the majority of, of rural Americans said that there is at least some stigma around mental health. But when we said, uh, when we asked about seeking uh, treatment for mental health, the stigma for seeking treatment, that number was a lot lower. So people recognize it's important and they recognize the need to seek treatment. That's interesting because historically, I think, especially uh, among the farm community, uh, there's a tendency. Uh, not to want, you know, to go public with that or not wanting anybody to know that they are having some of those uh, challenges or dealing with some of those issues. Yeah, absolutely. And we know farmers are self-reliant and they're, uh, you know, strong and they don't take days off when um, when when they get hurt or anything like that. But, I mean, it, I think one of the messages here is for folks to know it's really important. I mean, if you're if your tractor or your machinery on the farm needs maintenance, you know, you're going to take the time to to get it fixed up and get it running. And it's the same thing with our with our own mental wellness. You know, we need time to to uh, get ourselves um, to where we are, you know, taking care of ourselves because we're the as a farmer, you're the primary uh, asset on your farm, you and your and your farm family. American Farm Bureau Federation, Ray, especially with the economy, the ag economy, the way it is, uh, the getting help might play into that re uh, reluctance to do so. Absolutely. Cost and access. You know, we um, one of the things that we heard was um, that 46% uh, of farmers and farm workers said it's difficult to access a therapist or a counselor in their local community. And that was compared to 28% of rural adults, almost a 20-point swing, you know, difference there. And we know that a lot of places, you know, probably most places in rural America, there are not as many treatment options. Uh, and then you add to that the fact that if you do have to drive a long way to to, to a counselor or someone, um, you're also leaving the farm. And there's not exactly extra days or hours in the in the day on the farm to be able to, to go. So it's kind of a compound problem there. Right. I think it's also a challenge for all of us to be more aware of those around us and uh, maybe to spot some potential warning signs. Uh, but that can be challenging, too, to know what to look for. And you don't you tend to not to want to, you know, uh, uh, butt in or say something that you shouldn't and or pry so there's some uh, reservations there but we need to kind of look out for each other don't we absolutely and uh, glad you mentioned that the main thing that you can do is just to be there you know to, to be there for somebody that's that you can see is struggling um, again from our survey the uh, farmers and farm workers were less likely than rural adults in general to be confident they'd be able to spot the warning signs of a mental health condition. That was 55% uh, versus 73%. So it tells us, you know, we need to do some better, a better job, I think, of education and talking to people and helping them, them realize the uh, the signs. But, uh, you know, the the CDC actually has some really good. Um, uh,
This is an especially critical and vulnerable time. Uh, we're in a multi-year down cycle on the ag economy, and now the stress of the of the weather this spring and just adding to it. Absolutely, you know the the the, the challenges that farmers are facing. They're always unique and they're always unpredictable. And then you add into to what we're seeing this year and the last couple of years. Um, and I think probably one of the things that we're seeing that that causes the, the biggest impact is factors out of your control. You know, it's one thing you can manage your farm and you manage, you're kind of used to managing commodity price swings and things like that. But then now we're, we're obviously our folks in the Midwest with the, the floods and, and all the storms everywhere and, and those kinds of things. Um, that just adds one more layer to that. And it just uh, it can really, I think, lead to kind of some, some feelings of hopelessness when, when things are out of your control. I know Farm Bureau's urging Congress to fund the uh, Farm and Ranch Stress Assistance Network. Tell us about that. Yes, there was that was something that was authorized in the 2018 Farm Bill uh, for $10 million authorization, and we're still waiting for Congress to fund that. So at this point, you know, we are we're meeting with folks, and we are working uh, together with um, with our counterparts on it, with our folks on the Hill to try and get that funded. Obviously, that's uh, that's critical, and in a time uh, boy, you get into those funding issues, that that's something that might slip through the cracks if you don't keep it uh, at the forefront. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. Appropriations is not one of my uh, direct responsibilities here, um, but I can tell you that our our folks are working in. Uh, you know, there's there's obviously a lot of pieces to the puzzle, and that uh, that network is one of them. And we believe that, you know, it's very, very important when you look at, obviously, what, as you said, what, what farmers are going through right now and, and the need that we have, uh, as pointed out in this survey and what we've heard, of the, the ability to access care and, and uh, to have, you know, places they can go that are uh, strongly funded. Well, the poll kind of shows what we, we suspected, uh, the the concerns, the stress level that's out there, but it also shows uh, the challenges that are that we all face uh, and the need that's there for us all to kind of look out for each other and be ready to help. Absolutely. You know, we're hearing, uh, I, mean, I guess there's some probably, you know, there, there was obviously some concerning points about this and things that I think confirmed what we suspected or knew. But, again, you know, the fact that, that uh, 91% of rural adults said mental health is important, I mean, that tells you that people are aware and they're, they're um, even with what we're seeing in terms of levels of stigma, that they're still willing to say, yes, I believe it's important to me and to my family. And then uh, 80% of rural adults said they would be comfortable talking with a friend or family member who's dealing with stress or a mental health condition. I mean, that's great. A little bit number was lower for farmers. Again, more work to do, but uh, the fact that people are comfortable talking about it is a good thing. A very important uh, issue and something we all need to uh, be more aware of. Ray, thanks for being with us. Thanks so much, Mike. Ray Atkinson with the American Farm Bureau Federation. Stay with us. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. Cenex Premium Diesel comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn to optimize performance in all engines. Whether you're on the road or in the field, you need more than typical number two diesel. You need a heavy-duty diesel like Cenex Premium Diesel. It comes with a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. It's the diesel that keeps your equipment out of the shop and restores power by as much as 4.5% and fuel economy by up to 5%. So ask yourself, if you could be any diesel, which diesel would you be? Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Everyone responds differently to change. Some are frightened by it. Some try to ignore it. And some are inspired by it. Poet has always shared a true connection with farmers. And like farmers, we see the world differently. We're inspired by change. So when it comes to the challenge of climate change, we see opportunity. To leave the planet we've been given just a little better. Biofuels, oil alternatives, nutrient-rich proteins. These solutions create cleaner air and a more sustainable world. Get inspired with us. Visit Poet.com. 
Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Grain futures trending in a mix on this Friday. Additional rains on the way for the heart of the Corn Belt this weekend and early next week. By the end of next week, we could have a handle on whether a U.S.-China trade deal is going to happen or not. Weekly ethanol stocks falling 52,000 barrels last week, the lowest since November. Soybean futures trending higher on this Friday, trying to avoid the six lower close in a row. Export sales last week, 11.5 million bushels, said to be a little bit slow. In soybeans, an hour into the trading day, trending a penny and a half to two and a half higher. July up two at 845 and a quarter. November up a penny and a half at 866 and a half. Corn, July, down a penny and a quarter, 369 and a quarter. December down a penny at 386. For the wheats, Chicago, July, down six at 438. Kansas City, July, down three and a half at 401 and a half. Minneapolis, spring wheat, July, down four and three quarters, 516. September at 524 and a half, also down four and three quarters. Cotton market on a Friday, July up 52 at 75.97. For live cattle futures at the Merck, a mix. June is up 60 cents at 114.27. Feeder cattle August, near unchanged, up 7 cents per hundred weight, 147.97. September is steady at 148.52. Lean hog futures, the rally continues. June is up 57 at 93.32. July up 65 at 96.17. Outside markets on Wall Street, the Dow up 64, S&P up 14, June crude oil in New York up 11 cents. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. All right, guys, we're ready for our four-season sunroom, and Daddy's going to get a rec room with refreshments. Oh, no, we'll be sleeping under the stars. Mom, what about the one with, you know, the fun? Nice try, little bro. It's a gym, my gym. Hey, Grandma's getting her four-seasons garden room, weather tight and still like being outdoors. Maybe a living room. Oh, no, wait, a family hub. Yeah. Yeah. No matter what the budget, the season, or the climate, Four Seasons Sunrooms let you and your family enjoy the outdoors inside. Call now to hear more about these great offers from the premier manufacturer of sunrooms since 1975. More reasons for Four Seasons now. To find out more, call toll-free 800-988-4477. That's 800-988-4477. Call 800-988-4477 today. Adams on Agriculture brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, a more complete additive package for a more complete burn. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. Well, as we mentioned, some good economic news for the country today, but uh, the ag economy not not, uh, really having a a good part of that because of the struggles that continue with the markets and now with the weather as well. Let's talk about it with Steve Nicholson, grain and oil seeds analyst with Robo Agrofinance. Steve, uh, good news for the nation's economy, but the ag economy is kind of uh, lagging behind in that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's a a great start to the day. I mean, you did have great great data coming out of BLM today about, you know, employment and, and all that, and it looks, you know, in good... And actually, I think one of the other good things out of that, I mean, was the, you know, looked at income growth and on an annual rate is about 3.2%. And you think, well, that all looks really good. And then you're exactly right. You think back and think about the farm economy, what's happening there, and you're kind of sets you back to reality and says, boy, it's just not going, it's not, it's not good for everybody for sure. And the fact that it's a, a multi-year down cycle, that, that adds well, to it. And then, and then with the challenges this spring. In that question, it's interesting you bring that up because I was I was looking at multiple different markets here, particularly in the grain oilseed size, obviously. And and you look at wheat, you look at you look at soybeans, you look at soybean oil, you look, and you look at corn, and multiple 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 year lows. I'll get it out eventually. And and that you know the the, the technician in me looks at that and goes, hmm. Well, if you're putting multiple year lows across you know a number of different you know markets. It gives you some some 
hope, and I'm going to say it that way, and a little solace at the same time, is that maybe we have reached these lows, and that now that you know that there is more upside now than there is downside, which I think is certainly true. Uh, but there's probably is there something you know coming down the podcast that's going to get these markets turned around, and that's always the technical side that looks at it that way and says, hmm, there's something happening here. We've got to kind of pay attention to. But oh, the challenges of the weather, it just is it's disheartening, discouraging, uh, and depressing all at the same time. And I hate to be that way, but it's just, you know, we, we all love to see some sun and some heat and some wind, I think. Yeah, you know, we can look at the calendar and say, okay, it's still early May. So, yep. you know, it's later than we would like in some cases, but not terribly yep. late. But it's the forecast of even more rain and where we're going to be a week or two from now that's what's really concerning. Right, and and that's the thing. You're absolutely right. We are first of May. We are, you know, this should be the heart of planting season in across the, you know, the heart of the Corn Belt. You know, do if we get it done next week, is it a disaster? No. But the fact is, the forecast still looks for cold and wet, and and I think that's I think we have to think about both of that. Is that first of all, you know, people are breaking record snows across the United States, so we got more record moisture in the soil, and in some cases, I saw some statistics here in St. Louis this morning about, you know, we're for the season, I think we're like double the rainfall that we would typically have. Um, and so then you think about that, and then you look at the temperatures and think about how cold it has been, is that we really haven't had those, let's say those, you know, those two weeks of, you know, 75 degree temperatures in the day to really get those soils heated up. And so you're planting into both wet and cold soils all at the same time. And it's just, you know, how, when, how does this go? But you're right. I mean, I, you get now, I mean, you really start thinking mid-May, and you're thinking, well, you're starting to think about lost yield potential on corn. Uh, beans not quite as concerning about, but, you know, that's tough. And, you know, in wheat country, you know, it's been wet in Kansas, and, you now we, you know, wheat kind of like corn is a, is a grass, and it can, you know, kind of stomach a lot of abuse. But at some point, the crop's got to get up and get going. And so it's just, you know, almost, at least in my travels across parts of the Corn Belt and parts of the Great Plains, you know, the weather continues to be just pretty challenging. Um, ugh, it's just very discouraging. Yep. We're used to looking out on fields now with corn coming up, and we're looking out at fields right. with water standing on them right now. Right. So we're all focused on this, but what about the markets? Markets don't seem to care. I mean, look at, you know, beans put in, or December corn, what, last week put in a contract low. Now it's come off that low a little bit. You know, beans, as, as you're right before we came on, you know, if we finish beans down today, now they're up right at the moment, up about four. Um, you know, that will finish, you know, if we finish up, that that'll, you know, at least break a six-day, clo- you know, lower close each day. Um, but the market still, when you look at corn and, and wheat still depressed, uh, they're still trading the ranges they have. There's no, doesn't appear to be any sort of panic or any sort of urgency on the market's part that we've got to do something uh, to ration supply. And I think that's what it goes back to is, first of all, as we've talked before, I mean, we have plenty of stocks of corn, soybeans, and wheat. Markets saying I don't need to do anything to ration supply because demand is is not overrunning those supplies at this point. Uh, and there's some talk if we get the May numbers, we could see that billion bushel carryover in beans, which is a little scary. Um, so that's you know that's going to weigh on markets as we go forward. Um, and then you look at the demand side of the picture, and the demand side's fine, but it's not you know what I would call just extremely robust in the sense of you know we're we're blowing the top off feed demand. We're blowing off the, feed, you know, the, the top off on export demand, and and whether it's on the soybean, wheat, or or corn side. And I think that's the other part we have to worry about, and particularly from the export perspective, it's just we're not seeing, just not seeing that robustness that we'd love to see the markets going forward. Now I will say one thing, and I, you know, we always focus on futures, but I want to give, you know, if we look at some of the basis numbers around the country, we, on corn and soybeans to a lesser extent. Um, and wheat to a certain extent as well. But, again, corn primarily, we've seen basis numbers kind of trickle up a little bit um, across the Corn Belt, Um, not as much as probably we'd like. And in some cases they're above last year, and in some cases they're on par with last year's basis numbers. So something I would always, you know, always emphasize, watch your basis numbers because that's where your opportunities will probably be on the marketing side. We're talking with Steve Nicholson with Robo Agrofinance, grain and oil seeds analyst. Steve, we also have to look 
I would say, don't you think, each day, especially each week that goes by, the possibility of more soybean acres? Absolutely. I, I think the market has, and that's probably why you've, it's probably the most major reason why you've seen, you know, soybeans down for six days in a row is the fact that we're going to see more bean acres. You know, there's, because like we just talked right off the top, is the weather is, is pushing, you know, that planting date farther and farther out, and, and the farther it gets out, the less likely you'll plant corn. I mean, I, I, anecdotally, a couple things we have, um, we have, you know, people here in the bank who farm close by to St. Louis, and they have done absolutely nothing. I mean, they have not been in the field for for nothing. nothing. They've done absolutely nothing in the field. And, you know, you know, this is May 3rd, and they're still sitting at the doorstep waiting for the weather to break. I had to drive to Iowa this week um, from St. Louis to Des Moines, and I would say I was surprised. I will, I will tell you I was surprised at how much work had been done. Um, there was probably, I'm going to say, 25 to third of the fields have either been planted or worked, which I was really surprised at. But what's out there, you know, most of that had either been planted or had not been touched at all. And, you know, and I'm saying those, you know, looking at old cornfields, they haven't been touched. There's nothing been put on them this, this spring, um, let alone last fall. So there's a lot of work to be done in the country and a lot of water standing. The Mississippi is out um, in northeast Missouri. Uh, the rivers in Iowa are extremely full, and, uh, and low-lying areas are being flooded, as we've seen on the national news in Davenport this week. So, you know, and this doesn't, again, kind of like, you know, the weather forecast, you know, the flooding forecast doesn't look like it's going to get any better anytime soon. And um, that, you know, is absolutely devastating to those producers in those areas. And, I, you know, our heart goes out to them for sure. So we look to trade. Um, yep. In the China talks, it looks like they're still working on on some key sticking points um, and some of that's in compliance some of that is uh, and some of the ag issues also we're seeing on USMCA House Speaker Pelosi saying that the USMCA uh, would that Democrats would not even consider it for a vote unless their concerns about enforcement are addressed as part of the agreement and went on to say it can't not it cannot be a sidebar or side letter later legislation or anything like that she said so they're they're kind of drawing a line in the sand uh you know these are challenges that uh, to get these deals done that are very much needed to help get the ag economy going absolutely and i and i and you know i think that in it's interesting that the speaker talked about you know not being side letters um but this is the usmca you know there was a lot of fanfare when it was agreed to by the leaders um but I think, as we've said consistently all along, is that, you know, this is not a done deal yet. You know, and, and here in the United States, you know, obviously Canada and Mexico, legislative bodies have not taken it up yet, uh, and we certainly haven't here. And, you know, we hear from both sides of the aisle, and we'll try to be as bipartisan as we can here, and I think we need to be. Um, you know, trade has typically been a bipartisan um, event, and I think we need to emphasize that. Um, there have been a lot of concerns about USMCA from both sides of the aisle from the very beginning, and I, I think there were challenges to get it through the House, whether the House or the House and the Senate, um, whether there was a turnover in party in the, from the elections in 18 or not, and I, and I think that's something we have to remember, um, you know, looking forward. And I, you know, I think there, I think the administration maybe been a little short-sighted thinking that once they got it all done that everyone would jump on board and do it and I, and I think that was maybe as i say a little short-sighted on their part to think it was just a done deal once everyone agreed to it on the at the leader at the executive branch level so but we do need it for agriculture absolutely well let's hope we have better news to talk about next time okay absolutely i hope so too right. hopefully the weather okay. breaks and we get to see some sun thanks mike i hope so thanks steve steve nicholson grain and oil seeds analyst for rabo Agrofinance. All right, coming up next, we're going to talk with University of Illinois agronomist Emerson Afziger. Um, talk about the challenges out there. If you got crops planted, you may have been feeling good, but maybe not so good if they're underwater now. And then, of course, waiting to get other, many other fields even planted the first time. And what are some of those agronomic challenges as the calendar gets later and later? We'll talk about all that coming up next here on AOA Adams on Agriculture. Adams on Agriculture, brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel, diesel that doesn't mess around. 
Do you need a car? Been shopping only to be turned down because of bad credit, low credit, no credit, bankruptcy, or divorce? Guess what? Today's your lucky day. Because now you can buy a car, truck, or SUV, just about any vehicle. It's true. Bad credit doesn't matter. No credit doesn't matter. Bankruptcy or divorce, it just doesn't matter. As a matter of fact, your job is your ticket to your new vehicle. We're Auto Credit Express, and we've helped thousands of people just like you. Antonio H. told us, great company, got me connected, and the day I went in, I drove off in the car I wanted. 100% worth your time. Need a car? Get started now and drive off as early as today. Just go to 11ignoremyscore.com right now. That's www.11ignoremyscore.com. Auto financing the easy way. 11ignoremyscore.com. Get started today. Auto financing the easy way. Have you written a book and want to get it published? Then call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538. Immediately, that's 800-955-4538. Page Publishing is looking for authors of all types of books. And unlike most publishers, Page Publishing will take the time to review each and every book submitted to them and give you their feedback. If they like what they read, they'll get your book into bookstores and for sale online at Amazon, the Apple iTunes Store, Barnes & Noble, and other outlets. They handle everything, editing, cover design, copyright protection, printing, publicity, and distribution. So if you've written a novel, children's book, cookbook, inspirational work, poetry, or a biography and want to get it published, then you need to call Page Publishing and do it immediately. Call 800-955-4538 now for your free author submission kit. Again, for your free author submission kit, call 800-955-4538. That's 800-955-4538. Your road to fame and fortune could very well start with this simple phone call. Call Page Publishing at 800-955-4538 for your free author submission kit. I can't get my computer to work. Let me help you with that. How'd you do that? I just got techie with Geeks On Site. Our geeks literally come on site. No need to stop what you're doing or block off time. We come to your home, office, or wherever you are. And we don't just fix whatever computer issues you might be having. We explain and teach you along the way so you can feel empowered and then help others at home or in your office. Better yet, don't have time for tech support to come to you? Let us remote into your desktop or laptop, and one of our geeks will instantly walk you through. We offer affordable prices on our remote services and IT support. You and those in your office will never have to wait hours to have your technical questions answered. Get your free computer diagnosis today with your very own geek. Get started now and we'll help you instantly. Call 855-801-2854. 855-801-2854. That's 855-801-2854. Hi, I'm Greg Peterson of the Peterson Farm Brothers. If you've seen our videos, you know we're proud to be farmers. Farming can be dangerous. Never assume location or depth of underground utilities or pipelines. Before you start any work on your farm, call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com to have underground lines located. It only takes a minute and can save your life. Never assume the location or depth of underground lines. Always call 811 or visit clickbeforeyoudig.com before you start work. A message from the Pipeline Operators for Ag Safety Campaign. Everyone responds differently to change. Some are frightened by it, some try to ignore it, and some are inspired by it. Poet has always shared a true connection with farmers. And like farmers, we see the world differently. We're inspired by change. So when it comes to the challenge of climate change, we see opportunity to make the air cleaner, to make our country safer, to leave the planet we've been given just a little better. Biofuels and oil alternatives, solutions for a brighter, more sustainable world. Get inspired with us. Visit Poet.com. Recently on Adams on Agriculture. Well, let's take a look at the recently released Ag Census. Joining us to do that is... American Farm Bureau Federation economist Michael Nevu. I think farmers have an excellent story to tell in terms of uh, they really are the original stewards of the land. And one thing that changed from the 2017 and 2012 census, and this is 2012 was the first time they asked this question, conventional versus conservation versus no-till. Um, in 2012, conventional uh, was at the top, followed by conservation and no-till. In the 2017, um, no-till was the highest, followed by conservation and then uh, conventional with the lowest. So you're definitely seeing uh, more farms utilize uh, environmentally friendly practices. Uh, additionally, one that was captured was cover crop. Uh, amount of acres uh, planted with cover crops increased by 50%. For the information important to rural America, join us on Adams on Agriculture. <laughs> 
Adams on Agriculture is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. With Cenex Premium Diesel, you can count on a diesel that will keep your operation in top shape. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, let's talk about some of the agronomic challenges this spring, uh, now and uh, moving forward. Joining us is University of Illinois agronomist Emerson Afziger. Emerson, thanks for being with us. Um, I, I mentioned this earlier. If you have crops planted, you might have been relieved you got them in, but then you look out and they're underwater, and you might not be so relieved. You might be thinking maybe it had been better still in the bag. So we've got all kinds of challenges out there, don't we? We do. Uh, you know, this is uh, turning into a challenging year, and it's not the first time we've had a year like this, but uh, every spring is different to some extent. Uh, we only need to go back two years here to see a whole bunch of rainfall right after we planted corn in late April, and some of that got replanted. Actually, a lot got replanted, and uh, that was one of those years when planting in the second half of May yielded more than planting in the second half of April. And so we always cross our fingers, and I guess one way I've said it is the more it goes wrong early in the season, the more favorable the rest of the season has to be to try to make up for it. Let's, let's talk about some challenges, uh, such as with nitrogen. Uh, boy, we were so far behind, or many farmers were, that could not get field work done last fall, and we're counting on a good spring this year and not getting it. And now further delayed, uh, let's let's talk about some of those concerns. It's probably one of the biggest concerns we've got. Uh, a lot of nitrogen is just simply not on. And anhydrous is always a little difficult to get on in the spring. And those who are still planning to use it haven't all changed their minds. But, um, you know, we may need to, in many, many fields, try to come up with a way to get some nitrogen on uh, maybe before we go out and put, try to put our anhydrous on side dress or right after we plant, if we can do that. Um, a lot of people think that putting anhydrous can, on can go before planting, and, well, we won't get stuck, I suppose, but it's still not great soil conditions to put it into, and driving over fields that are pretty wet is uh, is always a formula for compaction. So one thing we can try to do is, is with where we have RTK, uh, we can try to put the anhydrous where the rows won't be. At least I'd like them off the rows, uh, oh, maybe 8 to 10 inches instead of in the middle of the rows because one of the things we've learned in our recent research is we need some nitrogen there when those little roots start coming out of those plants. And we can't simply say, well, we'll put on nitrogen whenever we get a chance and wait until... Uh, early June or till the corn is ankle high or knee high before we get out and put nitrogen on. We think if we see deficiency develop, why well, we've probably lost some yield potential, and most of our data are indicating that. Um, if we had good warm temperature, soil temperatures now with mineralization kicking in, that would help supply the crop with uh, nitrogen without fertilizer or less fertilizer. But uh, I don't think too many people should be thinking about taking the risk of planting without any nitrogen on and then, you know, hoping to come back, uh, waiting till it's dry enough and they have time to come back and put the rest on. In most cases, we at minimum ought to be putting on, say, some broadcast UAN or, or some with the planter so we have some nitrogen there when that crop starts to grow. Because as the calendar gets later, that becomes the temptation, right? The thinking, just got to get the seed in the ground, we'll worry about nitrogen later. Well, that's true. Uh, this year, it's just going to be all hands on deck once we can go. And a lot of fields here in uh, East Central Illinois, certainly nobody has gone anywhere yet. So they're sitting there pretty much like they were uh, the day after harvest last uh, fall. And uh, quite a bit of tillage got done, but a lot of nitrogen that was planned to be put on last fall or this spring is simply not on at this point. We're talking with University of Illinois agronomist uh, Emerson Afziger. Emerson, I want to talk to you about, you know, we've seen this trend getting 
earlier planted beans all the time. Some farmers even that traditionally have planted corn ahead of beans this year planting beans at the same time or maybe before the corn. What are your thoughts on that? Things have changed, and seed quality is much better in soybeans, and we don't worry nearly as much as we did 20 years ago about getting the soybean crop up. At the same time, <clears throat> neither crop does well when it get, we get two inches of rain on it right after it's planted. And I suspect that a lot of soybeans that have been planted uh, that have had a lot of rain on them are simply going to have to be replanted. Some of the corn probably will be as well. Uh, neither crop can really take not only standing water but just saturated soils. Uh, the seeds need oxygen to germinate and emerge, and they're simply not getting it where these fields are really wet. Our recent data show that the yield declines on a percentage basis are pretty similar between corn and soybeans. They're probably less than they were with older uh, varieties uh, back 20, 30 years ago. Uh, but, you know, we still know that these start to, they really don't start to pick up and accelerate until we get, oh, into the second and third weeks of May. And even then, it's pretty gradual. But, you know, we can't do much about it. If I were there now, the uh, if we're going to start into these fields when they're not quite fit and then maybe get some more rain on them uh, before they get up, uh, Corn just has a little bit better capacity to do that than soybeans do. And um, even though soybeans are much improved, uh, you know, then the advantage, another advantage with soybeans is that if 80% of them come up, that's fine. And corn, we need that to be 90, 95%. We hope it's 95% or even more than that. So we don't have much margin for error there, but corn is a better crop to come up and uh, I you know we're although both of them are going to not getting started in time as early as we'd like uh, I just plant whichever crop I could when I get started and uh, and plant both of them together if, if that's a possibility Emerson good to talk with you again thanks for the information sure Take care. Emerson Nafziger, University of Illinois agronomist. That does it for today. Have a great weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us on AOA.